Hello and welcome to Horrific Tales. In this show we celebrate the creation of independent authors and aspiring writers. Please like and subscribe and share these episodes so we can help our talented friends get as much exposure as possible. We'd also appreciate if you could support our artists by following them on their individual platforms and by purchasing their works. Details on how to do this are in the episode description. In this horrific tale, an American exchange student gets more than she bargained for at a local eatery. Join us as we present Nanjing Fried Rice by Jay Wells. In this horrific tale, an American exchange student gets more than she bargained for at a local eatery. Join us now as we present Nanjing Fried Rice by Jay Wales. Nanjing, China, circa 1937. Liaozi River is a vibrant river in the mid-eastern portion of China. Nanjing is about midway between the port city of Shanghai and the current Chinese capital of Beijing. Persons of all nationalities have made this area their home for a myriad of reasons. Since 220 AD, Nanjing has served as the capital of six dynasties. The Ming dynasty was the last feudal dynasty that found capital in Nanjing, leaving in 1644. As have most old cities, Nanjing has experienced glorious times and not-so-glorious times, all along having witnessed many things in its long life. Some of these adventurous times included the infamous Opium War of 1839, the last rebellion against the Chinese dynasty, and the eventual establishment of the provincial government of the Republic of China in 1912. Many have not heard of the event, but Nanjing was the home of possibly the most brutal moment to have happened in China, that being the Nanjing Massacre. The Nanjing Massacre occurred in 1937. During this time, more than 300,000 Chinese commoners were killed by the invading Japanese army. The Japanese slaughter included women and children, some of whom were present at the spot that would become the Chinese fast food restaurant. Nanjing, China, circa early 2020. Laura was an American exchange student from the Omaha, Nebraska area of the United States. Laura was a college senior studying the hotel industry. One afternoon, Laura left her current temporary home, a hotel room in Nanjing, China. Laura was in China, where she was about midway through a six-month student exchange and walked down the busy Nanjing street. Car horns blasted, people cursed and waved fists, and Laura ignored it all, having become accustomed to it all. There were several things about China that Laura could not get accustomed to. The first was the food. The other Laura could not get accustomed to in China was the crippling air pollution in the city. At times, Laura swore she could taste the smog as her parents had called it when they had come to visit. The restaurant Laura was walking towards was about four blocks from the hotel entrance. After three blocks, Laura had to circumvent a roundabout that contained the Ming Dynasty era statue and remnants of the Great Nanjing Wall. This wall was such that few people outside of Nanjing had ever heard of. As Laura got closer, she noticed the big familiar M, though this was not that place. Just a well-researched facsimile of that American icon. Laura came to this familiar food place because Unless you've been to China, Americans are unaware that what we call Chinese food cannot be found in real China. Chinese tourist spots, such as certain parts of Nanjing or Beijing, would serve what Americans call Chinese food. But in real China, red-blooded American rarely knew what they were eating. As such, Laura went to this place occasionally, knowing full well it was not authentic, but it was authentic enough for her tastes. Laura entered the establishment and noted the line was non-existent, a fact that she noticed most times she came here. Laura did not know why this was so. Was it that the Chinese people disliked American-style foods, or were there other reasons? 
The few patrons that were there looked at her furtively and quickly departed. Laura did not know if they were afraid of something, or was it because they were not supposed to intermingle with an American citizen. Laura made her order by pointing at the menu that was under a plate of plexiglass on the counter. Ordering what she equated was a Big Mac with cheese, french fries and Coca-Cola. Obviously the Coca-Cola is an international drink, and Laura thought it actually tasted better in China than what she remembered from the United States. As Laura waited for her order from the teeniest Chinese girl, she saw from the corner of her eye what she thought was something running along the wall. The thing was dark like a shadow, and very fast. Laura looked towards it and there was nothing there. The Chinese girl looked at Laura and at the spot and seemed to cringe away from the direction of the dark shadow. Laura's order came up. She looked to make sure there was ketchup in the bag, which there was. Laura turned to leave. As she turned, Laura thought she heard directly into her ear something telling her to get out. The voice seemed to be in English, though there was no one close to her, so Laura assumed she was mistaken. She looked around, making sure no one was near her, and walked towards the door. As she reached the door, just before she opened it to go outside onto the sidewalk, it felt as if someone had slightly pushed her. Laura looked around again, and the area where the Chinese girl who had taken her order was standing was now pitch dark, with what appeared to be swirls against the background of stars, such as at night outside of Omaha. Laura then saw what appeared to be five other young Chinese females around the restaurant counter, with their eyes kind of glowing. Their heads were downtrodden and their dark black hair covered their faces. Laura blinked her eyes several times, shook her head, walked outside and back to her hotel. Laura returned to this establishment several times prior to her departing back to the United States in mid-2020. Each time she experienced some haunting events, always after she had received her food. Nothing ever harmed her, or seemed to want to harm her though, each time she saw what appeared to be six young Chinese females in the establishment. Nanjing, circa 1937. The Japanese imperial troops marched towards the capital city of China, one of the largest countries in the world. China and Japan had recently entered into the Second Sino-Japanese War, which the Chinese called the War of Resistance Against Japanese Aggression. Technically, China was aided by powerhouses of the United States and the Soviet Union, though neither had committed actual combat troops. If they had, the world could have been a different place in future lifetimes. Several years later, Japan would overstep and cause all-out military conflict with those nations as well. As the Japanese troops entered Nanjing, their last obstacle to entering the capital was the Nanjing Wall. This 45 to 65 foot wide wall had been completed in AD 1386 after being ordered by the first emperor of the infamous Ming Dynasty. The intent of the wall, as most walls are intended, was to protect the capital of China. The wall is still the longest circular city wall in the world, and each six pound brick used in its construction is hand marked with the individual brick's origin. All in all, about 350 million bricks were used for the wall, of which 13 miles of the original wall is still standing. The Japanese Imperial Army entered the city of Nanjing with little resistance from the battle-weary Chinese troops or civilians. The Japanese entered with very little fanfare, as they had been traversing the Chinese roads for many miles and many days. The Japanese troops were cold and hungry, and wanted to find a warm place to bed down after eating something other than field rations, which most now loathed. A prolonged occupation of the capital city would provide the Japanese troops some stability, either rested and recuperated. The Japanese Imperial Army had other plans for its troops, and for the city of Nanjing. In December 1937, Nanjing's destruction had been ordered by the Japanese commanding general of the Japanese Central China Front Army that had captured the city. Over the next several weeks, through January 1938, Japanese soldiers carried out the orders of high command as ordered without question. While carrying out those orders, those same Japanese troops committed numerous atrocities, including mass executions. The Japanese soldiers raped at will, as well as looting and burning Nanjing and surrounding towns. In the end, at least a third of Nanjing's buildings were destroyed. 
a series of events and atrocities is referred to as the Nanjing Massacre, and is estimated over 200,000 to 300,000 residents of Nanjing were killed in this about six-week period. Captain Equivalent Dawn's Japanese troop unit had taken residence in a Chinese household that was close to the ancient statue, just inside a portion of the city wall. This residence would eventually become a knockoff American fast food restaurant. The male of the household had been ordered off to war, fighting the Japanese invasion of his homeland, leaving his wife along with the six daughters. One by one, about one a week, the Japanese soldier killed off the woman's daughters, via different atrocities that will not be gotten into at this time. It should be abundantly clear that each death was cruel, unnatural and unjust, and could have easily been avoided. None were given a proper Chinese burial, often being thrown into the trash or the street. These events led to each descendant having the potential to either not leave this earth peacefully or not leave at all, possibly to seek revenge. Nanjing, China, circa late 2020 Mr. Riku Shimbada had arrived in Nanjing several nights earlier. Riku was a contractor for a multinational corporation and was in the city from his homeland of Japan in order to attend several meetings and to give the Chinese government a bid for the upcoming project. Riku was not a fan of the food in the area and had walked to an American-looking fast food restaurant. Riku had experienced the so-called Golden Arches all over the world, though he knew this one did not seem to be a legitimate franchise, though this didn't matter to him. Riku entered the knockoff restaurant and noticed he appeared to be the only customer there. As the door closed behind him, the light got darker and the modern drywall of the wall seemed to turn into smooth rocks, held together with a mortar of some sort, like some of the ancient buildings that still adorned Asia. Riku turned back towards the door he had entered in and it was no longer there. He now seemed to be in a room with no doors or windows. Rakui turned back towards the counter, took two steps forwards where it should be and felt himself sink into the floor up to his knees. The counter area was very dark and Rakui would have sworn he saw six young Asian females now where the counter should be. From behind the females Rakui heard a swirling noise. He noticed four knives, about 14 inches each, swirling in the air, slowly coming in his direction. The knives passed through the female shapes and suddenly Rakui saw something flying towards him very quickly. Raku tried to duck, but being stuck in the floor up to his knees, he only managed to cringe a little bit before being struck on the left side of the face by a hot cherry pie, a namesake of the American restaurant. By the time Raku realised what had struck him, another object came flying from behind the counter area and struck Raku in the right side of the face. This was a hot apple pie, an even more famous namesake of a fast food location. Raku wiped his face with both hands and watched as the knives continued to swirl, but not come any closer to him. Raku bent over and pulled his legs trying to free them from the floor, which seemed to be a dirt floor. He had no luck freeing himself. Raku looked back towards the six females, and upon them noticing he was looking at them, they started flowing towards him, mere inches from the ground. Each had something in their ghostly little hands, and as I got closer, Raku saw that each had an ice cream-like substance milkshake. As I got close enough to Raku to almost touch him, each of the females, one by one, dumped their ice cream-like substance on his head, down his shirt, and down his back. Raku arrived at the shock of the cold substances, the last one was dumped in him. The females disappeared. The lightning seemed to start working again, and Raku noticed he was no longer immersed in the floor up to his knees. Raku turned and ran towards the door to get outside that had magically reappeared. Raku opened the door and stepped into the Nanjing sun, and walked back towards the Nanjing wall. As Raku approached the Nanjing wall, the wall seemed to almost come back together across the eight-lane motorway and sidewalks. Raku moved right through this illusion, and right before the roundabout, he noticed a sign. In English and Japanese it proclaimed, Nanjing Fried Rice. In smaller print the same sign exclaimed, For when you don't want the food of the clown or of the ghosts. Raku went in while he was sticky. He was still hungry.
Well, we hope that you enjoyed our latest horrific tale. If you want to keep up to date with future episodes, then subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow our social media pages. You can also give the channel support by visiting our merchandise store and picking up some of our items. We would also appreciate it if you took a moment to support our contributing artists who very kindly lend their talents to the show. Check out the links in the description to see how you can do this. Well, that just leaves me to say, until next time my friends, keep it creepy, keep it horrific.